Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Uber Neuro, the podcast where we explore how neurodiversity challenges are discovered, met and responded to by a wide range of people. And as ever, the reason for this podcast is to inspire my son uh, to uh, a bright future and to anybody else listening, to their children, to parents of anyone with a difference, especially a neurological difference. Um, and joining me today is a gentleman that I met a f- about two or three years ago. Um, and the first time I met him, uh, I couldn't help but notice the phenomenal amount of badges, lapel badges he was wearing. Um, and I immediately wanted to know more about him. And it was obvious to me that there was something different about the way he was moving. And the story that has unfolded to me about this gentleman is uh, quite, quite incredible. So, Paul Connolly, are you, are you there? Hello. Hi, Paul. Good afternoon. Good Welcome afternoon. Welcome to Uber Neuro. Um, now, we had a bit of a chat, uh, and uh, I guess the first question I want to ask you, uh, even before I ask you one of the first three questions, is just give us sort of 60 seconds about you. Who are you? What do you do? Uh, Paul Conley, run a driving school in Luton, Bedfordshire. Um, I've got three children, two grandchildren. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much what I do. Right. Okay, excellent. Now, I'm sure there's more dimensions to that, but we'll get into yeah. that a bit, I suspect. Um, so let's start at the beginning. Question one, what challenge did you face, Paul? Um, I wasn't very, uh, very well understood at school. Um, teachers didn't really understand me. Um, I've got a, a disability which is called hereditary spastic paraplegics. Um, so it affects my muscles and my legs. Um, and uh, I was bullied at school quite a lot. Um, so I tended not to really go um, to school. So I make a joke of it with the kids that I left school with straight A's. And that's pretty much because I was absent every day of the week um, that I was supposed to be at school. Um, so yeah so um yeah so i left school with no qualifications whatsoever um and uh muddled through life really uh, quite a lot of the time amazing uh, i'm going to take notes as we go by the way where, where you say something okay. interesting that we're going to use as a quote on social so you don't have okay. to worry about me typing uh, i that's left fine. school with great a's all absences that's fantastic i'm totally yeah. that. <laughs> that's brilliant and it just goes to show you you know obviously school and you didn't get along obviously yeah um, yeah and and you know even you know back when i was a kid i don't think teachers really knew how to understand or cope or relate to me um, yeah did that did any did you experience any positive schooling at all was there anything that stands out that um helped in any way or was it just very much pink floyd you know Brick in the wall type. Yeah, brick in the wall, that's it, yeah. Um, Very very misunderstood. Um, I don't really think there was any defined teacher. Sorry, my dog's going mad. Um, That's all right, that's all right. It's it's because the the son's got a yoghurt and he's being ignored because he wants a bit of his yoghurt. Right. Um, Give the dog some yoghurt. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, so there there wasn't really any any teacher as such like that at school that really um inspired me as so because i i actually couldn't wait to get out of there but i've always been um i've always worked all all my life so from the age of kind of um i think it was about 11 or 12 um i was washing cars in the villages i was delivering eggs for the um the farmer milk in the morning for the farmer and um i always knew that i was going to do something and, and always be okay by myself sort of thing like that um it was quite later on in life that i actually realized that um 
you know, I, I had a skill set and that skill set was driving. And that's what I've always, always really, really done from a very young age. I, like, yeah, I was driving from a young age. Amazing. And did you, uh, from a neurological perspective, any, any specific neurodiversity or awareness? I mean, did you struggle? Obviously, from a school perspective, you obviously struggled to cope with the knowledge and the process and the volume. Um, do, do you think anything specific got in the way or just general clear levels? I, of- I, just, I, I have dyslexia, so um, dyslexia is a big part of it. So it's kind of scrambled. You, you write an email or a, a sentence or so, and then you struggle to... Um, you struggle to spell a word in it. So what you do is you end up going back and changing the words. So actually my view of dyslexia is, is that we work 10 times harder to actually write an email or construct whatever it is that we, we're constructing because we spend more time going backwards, changing a whole sentence for it to make sense to us. Um, our punctuations and abbreviations and things like that that go into those you know, emails. Um, Siri is amazing for, for dyslexias because you can actually dictate it to um, from Siri straight onto a, an email, and that's how I do most of my communication and email is via um, Siri sort of thing. So amazing how technology is enabling uh, <clears throat> enabling lots of people with lots of different abilities to communicate much more easily. I can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, I labour over messages and emails as it is, um, and I can't imagine. You know, if the words are, uh, you know, you know, not not working in my favour as well. I can imagine that must make for painful communications and i often remember as you were saying that i was remembering how many times i would be frustrated at someone else's slow response or you know the amount of times uh, that that we judge a behavior and i remember you know i interviewed a really interesting lady uh, a couple of weeks ago called kelly croft who runs born anxious which is a clothing company for sense for children with sensory disorders mm-hmm. and um she uh, specifically pointed out that uh all, all neurodiversities are an emotional event. They're not a behavioral event. It's not someone being slow at something because of, uh, you know, them choosing a behavioral path or pattern. It's an emotional event. They are incapable physically and emotionally of moving past something. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of support from my family either. Um, my, my parents were never around really. My, my father was quite an abusive guy when I was younger as well. So, um, being at home wasn't really like a safe environment for me so I didn't really want to be there so you can't really go to your parents and ask them how to do stuff um you'd ask the teacher how to spell something they tell you to look it up in a dictionary and it's like <laughs> my answer is well if you can't spell it in the first place why would you be looking up in a dictionary to find out so you can't you can't do it so like you know I kind of put it in I, I do believe that there are a lot of children out there that go to school that are actually misunderstood and the teachers need to kind of take that on board because just because you just because you can't read and write or something like that you know and I, I can read and I can write things but just because you can't do it very very well it doesn't mean to say that you are you're useless and you can't do anything there's there's talents that you have got and there's there's things that you will do that you know if you put your mind to it, if you, if you're a driven person, you'll get over them some way or another. And there are people out there that would love to be employed to be a PA to someone that can dictate a letter for you, um, leave you to do the stuff that you're good at and give the stuff that you're not good at to someone else that needs to do it. Yeah. You know? Amazing. Completely agree. I think everyone's got a special skill. Everyone's got yeah. a superpower and you've just got to figure out yours. And I, and I, and I think you're right. I think there's a lot of kids, uh, and it's not because of bad teaching. Uh, it's not even, 
no. bad system. I, I, you know, without getting political, I just don't think they have the resources to, no. to look after kids the way they need to. No, no, exactly. Yeah. No, I think ultimately it's the parents that have to, and in your case, mm-hmm. obviously that meant you were you were devoid of two support networks. School wasn't there for you, parents weren't there for you. Hopefully for most children, parents at least are there for them. Uh, but sometimes even that's not the case. So we've all got to, you know, kind of yeah. watch out for people. Um, so I mean, I've based, I've based everything on my own children and everything that we never done ourselves. You know, my, my oldest lad is very intellectual. He gets his brain power from his mum and he's very good at what he does. And he's chosen the, the life that he's got. He's got two children of his own at a young age. My middle lad is fifth in the world for street dancing and is, a, is going to end up being famous somewhere along the line on West End wow. musical or stage, something like that. And my youngest lad has got the same disability as I have, and he's a national para, uh, champion at swimming. You know, so yeah. just be, just because you've got a few problems in life, you know, it doesn't mean to say that you should be held back. And that driven for three of the children is is pushing them to succeed in what they want to succeed in. You know, just because you've got a, a disability or there's a, a learning difficulty or something, don't be put down. There's enough people in the world that will put you down. Stand up and be counted and make your own your own path. And you know, you you could you could sit there and say, well, you know, society has done this to me. We'll change it. Get off of that road and get on the road that you want to be on. You know, yeah. that, that's what that's what I've done. Amazing. So so that brings us on to question two. So what happened next? Obviously, after school, uh, you know, lack of support. You obviously, uh, I'm imagining you didn't go to Oxford or Cambridge. Uh, no, no. <laughs> so what I've been I've, I've been there a few times, but that's more as as a delivery driver. Right? Me too, absolutely. Um, I've visited. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so from from a very young age, um, I'd really my passion's always been cars and large vehicles and stuff like that. And the bigger the vehicle, the more the more it would kind of entertain me, sort of thing. So I used to look at lorries driving up and down the road, and it it kind of remem- reminds me of the the TV program Spooks that was on a few years ago when the kids were walking across the car park and they say, well, what did your dad do? He's an IT. Um, what did your dad do? He's a lorry driver. Wow, you know, that sort of factor. <laughs> so um, from a very, I was quite young. We just got married, me and my wife, um, and I got made redundant. And uh, I became a lorry driver. So to have a disability in your legs and become a lorry driver, it was kind of a, a big achievement yeah. for us, really. And yeah. it was the it was the first thing that I'd ever succeeded in you know I tried to take a maths test and I got a basic in it and I tried to take an English test and got a, a basic in that sort of thing and uh, I passed my LGV class one license I passed that fairly straight away at a young age worked for some really big companies that were around um, but you're a number on a board and then yeah. um, I was asked to do a driver training course and uh, I went and sat this course and I had to kind of frame of mind that I'd only just passed my driving test as such like that. So what could you teach me? And the guy that actually took me out on the road, I, I used some of his stuff that he said to me, the way he was laid back and relaxed about his approach on it. He was like, well, maybe, you know, I've been doing this job for 35 years sort of thing. Maybe you will teach me something, but until we get you out on the road, we're not going to know. And when I came back, the guy was astonished at the way that I'd driven the vehicle with the, the kind of skill set that I had for someone that had only just passed an LGV1 test. Um, three, mm. or four months, three or four months later, I was swept away to do a driver training course with Scania and Volvo trucks. And that was the change that had kind mm. of happened. Um, fuel efficiencies is one of the things that I pride myself on that any company that I work with, I'd save them a minimum of 5% on the fuel um, across the fleet that they've got. Um, 
and I've put a lot of time and effort into driver science. Um, like just basically basic drivers just sit there with their foot on the foot brake. They're wasting fuel because the, the, the engine's working harder to get the alternator to work, to put more power into the battery. Where if you just took your foot off of the brake pedal, you would actually save fuel, put the handbrake on It's safer for you and, and for everybody else sort of thing like that. So it's those kind of things that we've developed over the years. Um, truck manufacturers have moved to automatics yeah. because it's more beneficial to them. So that's the kind of thing, you know, you don't have to be intelligent to have common sense is what I would say. Right. Amazing. I like that. Hold on, let me grab that. You don't, you don't have to be intelligent to have common sense. That's, that's genius. Um, so ultimately, I guess, where are you now after all of that? I mean, that's quite a journey. Um, you've got three kids, two grandkids, thriving business. Um, yeah, just, I suppose really, um, like, I joined the, the same organization that you're in. Um, and then, um, we can name it. It's totally fine. Yeah, We're proud yeah, members so of BNI. I, I'm very, I'm a very proud member of BNI. And yep. you mentioned about the badges that I wear and yep. I didn't have, I didn't have any recognition at, at school. Um, I never, I was never going to win a sports award. Um, I love in saying that I was, a, I'm a, I still am a very keen cyclist and back in the day before you get married and you have kids and whatever, um, with a disability, I was actually doing 10 mile time trials in 21 minutes. So that's wow. pretty quick. It's pretty quick going. Um, and that's one of the things that I'd, I'd done when I was younger. But BNI has given me a massive um, recognition for some of the stuff that I've done. Um, I look after two two groups in BNI, um, yep. and uh, between those, and I, I was also a member of one group. So between yep. three three groups that we were looking after, there we we actually generated over six million pounds worth of business within the local community. Um, so I've always said it's not bad for a kid that left school with no qualifications whatsoever. Amazing. You know, you've um, had a significant impact on yeah. hundreds, if not thousands, of people's lives yeah. and families. I mean, it's yeah. It just goes um, to show you, actually, school, of course, is important if you want to be a pharmacist, a doctor. There's lots of professions that you're just going to have to go down a certain road. Yeah. But just because you can't go down that certain road doesn't mean you're not going to have an amazing yeah, business. That's right. I mean, I've been through various different careers to get to where I am, but, you know, the, the driving side of it is what my business is represented within B&I, but actually my, my business is B&I, and I hope to one day that that is going to be my full-time business. Mm -hmm. And sure. um, it's given me, it gives me great joy to um, see uh, people, you know, if, if we use the word intellectual, I suppose that's the best way to see it. You come along, you're an entrepreneur, you've got your own business there. And it's a common sense factor that, you know, we're in, we're in an organization to get more business and I'm standing in front of you now training you and you've got all the qualifications, degrees coming out of your backside or so. And yet I've, I'm the fortunate one that has been put in a place to train you because I've done it. I know how to do it, you know, and I, I'm very respectful for the guys that run BNI and, you know, I named Catherine Sager. She's been amazing for me over the few years that I've been, um, yeah, I've, you know, I owe a lot to Catherine for everything that where I am today with BNI, you know, but again, I've put the time and effort into it to get the results that I've got from BNI. So it's that recognition that goes back to it, you know, so we work very closely together, the both of us. She knows my good points and she knows my bad points. <laughs> Warts I, and all, I, don't, sure. I, I don't have many bad points. I no, 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 I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, sure I'm, sure, I'm sure she'll say something totally different. But it's incredible how, you know, the, you know, the common theme that I'm seeing is about support networks, not just in the interview with you, but within lots of people. Um, it's vital 
regardless of the difference you have in life, whether it's physical, neurological, emotional, whatever, you know, if it's, uh, you know, uh, whatever the issue is, it's the support network that creates an incredible structure around you to take you forward. You said something really interesting, which I'll definitely use as a pull quote on social, you know, BNI has given me the recognition I never got as a lad. You know, that, that is that, it's such a small point to make and yet it's such a powerful one. And we often talk about the value of recognition and every human being alive just wants to um, do well enough to have a great life, you know? Yeah. And so whatever support mechanism people can find, you know, um, if they're autistic, if they're, uh, you know, uh, dyslexic, if they have a physiological challenge, whatever it is, there is, they're not alone, I guess, is the point I'm making. Yeah. There is yeah. someone or some organization out there that will look at them and see a wonderful human being regardless of the challenge they face. Mm-hmm. And I think B&I, B&I, look, this, you know, I don't want this to, uh, I don't want anyone to think this is just the B&I show, but my no. God, it's an extremely positive, supportive environment. I'm very grateful for it as well. I think you are, I know you yeah. are, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, most of the people that I speak to that are in the organisation, they say you cut you, you are Mr. B and I because you've got it right the way through you. But you seem you to know, do, you seem to just be an absolute natural, Paul. Um, yeah, recent achievements, obviously, yeah. the blaze are incredible. So, yeah, um, thank you. Um, all right, well, look, uh, I'm very grateful. I've got you know taken away quite a few things here. Um, I think the most important one for me. Uh, is that regardless of the challenge, you have to stand up and be counted and make your own path. You know, yeah. no one's going to hand it to you on a plate. And actually, uh, how lucky someone is when they have a challenge that forces them to take control and make whatever dream they want into a reality. So yeah. uh, I know you're far too humble uh, to accept such applause, but uh, I think you're an amazing guy. And, I, you know, from the outside looking in, uh, you do nothing but inspire people. And there you are with with you know all of those straight a's <laughs> so, so keep on leading thank god you didn't get any a levels and go to oxbridge i mean you know exactly i wouldn't i wouldn't be speaking to you if i'd done that would i you just yeah. be an average engineer you know or yeah, exactly something yeah something interesting about be, i'd be stuck in an office somewhere I you wouldn't would, be making, absolutely I wouldn't be making a difference to anybody you'd be but, in a nine to five in a cubicle absolutely yeah um I, I don't wish to do oxbridge down of course but you know <laughs> just having a jest um before i get loads of hate mail and trolls <laughs> killing me um well look thank you very much paul uh, i'm very grateful uh, for you coming on the show and i know uh we've we've back and forth to get this done so i'm really grateful that yeah. you've got a chance to speak um thank you everyone for listening as ever um please do share somebody out there doesn't have a support network and they're going to hear this podcast with Paul and they're going to be inspired to find some support. They're going to realize they're not alone. They're going to stand up and be counted. They're going to make their own path and they're going to get the support around them and thrive as a result. So please do share this. Please do comment on it, like it, post it, mail it, carry a pigeon it, do whatever it takes, get this to people because the message is absolutely vital. People aren't alone and they can have whatever life they choose to strive for. Um, We'll be back next week uh, with another fascinating interview. I won't tell you who it is, um, but it'll be equally as brilliant, of course, because we're constantly looking for awesome people to speak to who've had a challenge and who have uh, overcome it. And there's lots of people like that. As brilliant as Paul is um, and as amazing as he is, Um, he isn't unique. There are lots of amazing people just like Paul who are smashing it 
despite the challenges that life throws at them. So I want to hear from anyone that wants to be interviewed as well. Thank you once again. You've been listening to Uber Neuro and we will be back with you in a week.